join us for that Christmas event. I don't know if you noticed how amazing our kids' directors are, but they never broke eye contact with the camera while they were decorating those ornaments and decorating those cookies. They can see everywhere, kids. It's amazing. So be careful. Be careful. Love to have you come and be a part of the family Christmas party. It's going to be a great time of celebrating Jesus' birth. Also, over the course of this last weekend, we celebrated Veterans Day. Is there anyone in here who is a veteran? Would you be willing to stand right now? Yeah. We just want to say thank you to you. We greatly appreciate your service gives us an opportunity to meet in freedom and spend time worshiping our Lord together today. As we're worshiping Him, we're doing so in a sermon series about what? Right? The Holy Spirit, right? Uh, this might help you up here on the screen. Absolutely, there's going to be some helps up there along the way. We're in the midst of a sermon series about the Holy Spirit. And the first week, Pastor Kenny unpacked for us some of the basics of who the person of the Holy Spirit is. Then the next week, I walked us through how the Holy Spirit is at work in our salvation. What encouragement there was in that, to see all the ways the Holy Spirit has been at work in our lives, in our salvation. Then last week, Pastor Kenny unpacked how the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us in our decision-making. And so what are we going to talk about today? Anybody? I need a topic. No, what are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about how the Holy Spirit empowers us by giving us spiritual gifts. Right? What, what is a spiritual gift? Do you have a spiritual gift? Right? Do you have all the spiritual gifts? Uh, are some of the spiritual gifts miraculous? How, how does a person get a spiritual gift? How many are there? There's all kinds of questions that we might have about spiritual gifts. And what I would like for us to do is to read through three of the primary passages that talk about spiritual gifts. And then we are going to walk through a number of these questions together today in order to answer some of these questions about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to His people. I want to start by us reading this together. And so I'm going to ask you, in order to honor the Word of God, would you stand with me? I know you just sat down, but stand with me. I'll read the verses, and you can follow along in your Bibles, follow along on the screen, or if you just want to close your eyes and think deeply about what the Word says, you can do that as well. Beginning in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Now on to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the works of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Holy Spirit, as we come before you today, we are so thankful for the word that you have inspired. And we ask now that you would illuminate our hearts and minds so that we might be deeply impacted by what it is that you want to teach us today. Transform us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let's start with the simplest of questions as we walk through some of the teaching in these passages. And that is, what is a spiritual gift? The shortest and simplest definition of what a spiritual gift is is, a God-given ability for spiritual service. We saw in these passages, the gifts are from God and they're for others, right? They're for others, which really leads us to the second question, which is, what is the purpose of a spiritual gift? Let me give you two purposes that the Bible talks about in the passages that we just read. First is to bring glory to God. Right? That, that is the aim and the goal. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, All of the gifts have been given in order that in everything, what? God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. If I am exercising a gift of teaching, and you wind up more focused on me than you are on Jesus, then I'm doing it wrong. If you are exercising a gift of faith, and you wind up more focused on the power of your praying than you are on the goodness and grace of God who is answering, then you're doing it wrong. Because ultimately, every spiritual gift is given is given for what purpose? To bring all glory and exaltation to Jesus. Not to us, to Him. And one of the ways that we bring all glory and exaltation to Jesus is by serving each other. That's really the second thing we see in terms of purpose. We bring glory to God and serve others. And we actually bring glory to God by using these gifts to serve others. 1 Peter 4.10 said, As each has received a gift, use it to do what? Right? To serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God gives us gifts for the sake of serving each other, but not serving each other in whatever way we feel like. Serving each other in helping one another know Christ more, have a more intimate relationship with Him, and to become more like Him. In Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Paul says the using of a spiritual gift is for the building up of each other's faith. We're to serve each other in helping each other draw closer to Christ, in walking more closely with Him, in becoming more like Him. That is what we're to do in our service for one another. These are 
the motivations that are to be behind any spiritual gift to bring God glory and to build into you so that you might know Christ more. When I was a young pastor years and years ago, I was pastoring a church where I saw a lot of people who were not serving in any way. Now in seminary, I learned the issue, the primary issue, was that all of those people probably didn't know what their spiritual gift was. And if I just helped them understand what their spiritual gift was, it would solve all of the serving issues that we had in the church. And so I listened to my seminary training, and I began to help people try and identify what their spiritual gift was. And you know what? It didn't solve our serving problem. For years, I spent time trying to help every person identify their spiritual gift, and it didn't solve our serving problem. You know why? Because the primary problem we had wasn't that people didn't know what their spiritual gift was. The primary problem we had was one for love, was one of love for God. Because if we love our God and meet with him in daily worship before the living and almighty God of the universe, then serving others will pour out of us. Wanting to glorify God will be the aim of our life. We won't need to know our gift. And I recognize now the solution to the problem of people not serving isn't helping people identify their gift. That's a secondary solution. The primary solution is helping people worship more in their daily life because when we meet face-to-face with the living God, we're changed. We're changed in such a way that our heart and mind's desire is to glorify Him in all things. Our heart and mind's desire is to help other people draw close to Him, and we'll do it whether we know our gift or not. And so we recognize the motivation, the heart behind spiritual gifts is to bring glory to God and to help others know Him more. That's the purpose of our spiritual gifts. Well, that sounds interesting to me. How do I get one? Is there an application I have to fill out? Who do I talk to in order to get one? Well, the Bible's answer to how do I get a spiritual gift is this. They are given by the Holy Spirit based on His desires. That's the key, His desires. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually what? As He wills. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says that we are to greatly desire spiritual gifts. Greatly desire spiritual gifts. Yes, because the more gifts, the more gifted we are, the more we can do in order to draw other people closer to Christ and bring God glory. Yes, more gifts, more gifts, Lord. And yet, while we desire more gifts, we fully recognize that it's the Holy Spirit's will that determines who gets what. He's the one who apportions them according to what is needed, according to His desires. So so then who receives them? Do you have a gift? Do I have a gift? Are there only super spiritual believers that have a gift? Do you have to have been a follower of Jesus for a certain number of years before you get a gift? The Bible's answer to that is that they are given to every disciple of Jesus. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. As each has received a gift. Every disciple of Jesus Christ is given a spiritual gift by God to use 
to bring all glory and honor to the king of the kingdom and to help us to encourage our fellow subjects in the kingdom to know the king more. Every one of us who's a part of the kingdom gets gifts to be a part of that kingdom. Well, how many gifts are there? Oh, goody. Right? How many gifts are there? One of the things that became obvious, even as we were reading the passages that we were reading, is that there is no New Testament list of all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Right? As a matter of fact, we could add some gifts that aren't even a part of these lists. Perhaps we'd go to Ephesians 4. 1 Corinthians 7 lists singleness as a gift from God. There are a number of different single gifts that are lifted, listed in various places. None of the lists contain all of the gifts. As a matter of fact, as we see the list, they're quite different. And so what are we to make of that? I think one of the things that we're to make of that is that the New Testament isn't particularly interested in nailing down each possible gift into a single list, but is instead using examples or types of gifts to help us understand ways that we can use our lives to serve Jesus. Well, does that mean that there might be spiritual gifts that aren't listed in the New Testament? If none of the lists are complete, might there be gifts that aren't listed in it? Possibly. Possibly. But I would be very careful and very slow before I declared that I had a gift that fell outside of the New Testament teaching. I, I once was having a meeting with a lady who had been asked by the worship pastor at another church to move from playing the piano in the main service to playing the piano in a smaller venue. And as she met with me, she said to me, the worship pastor is denying me an opportunity to use my spiritual gift of congregational piano playing. Right? Not just piano playing. She declared herself to have the spiritual gift of congregational piano playing and that the worship pastor was denying her the ability to use that spiritual gift. This is part of the reason I would caution us about making up gifts for ourselves that aren't listed in the New Testament because we tend to make them up according to our own wants and agendas. One helpful categorization of gifts we saw in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. What, what did it say? There are gifts that are speaking gifts and there are gifts that are serving gifts. Right, 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11 doesn't get into a lot of detail. It just tells you there's gifts that are speaking gifts. We might think of gifts like teaching, exhortation, prophecy. And there are gifts that are serving gifts. We might think of administration or, or mercy or helps, those kinds of things. And so it can be helpful for us to just deal with those general categories. What kind of gift do I have? Does God use me for his greatest good through the things that I say or through the things that I'm doing? Right? He uses us in both ways. But how has he gifted me with those gifts of speech or those gifts of service in my life? Again, the focus of the New Testament isn't on us figuring out a complete list of all of the gifts. It's more about using whatever gift you have in order to help other people grow and to glorify Jesus' name. So let's ask the question that you've been asking for the last seven minutes, which is what? How do I determine my gift? That's nice, there's all these different lists. How do I determine my gift? 
This is often where we would turn to a spiritual gift inventory. And friends, we have a spiritual gift inventory. If you want to do a spiritual gift inventory, we'd be happy to work with you in order to walk through that together. However, I would like to give you a couple of ways to determine your gift that I think are better than using a spiritual gift inventory. The first is this, jump in and start serving. Right, jump in and start serving. You, you just start to, to serve here and, and here and, and in formal ways and informal ways until you come to an understanding of how God is using you in the greatest way to make an impact for his name and to grow others. But Matt, what if I wind up serving for a while in an area that's not my primary gifting? Oh no, serving the Lord? That would be awful. I guarantee that if you serve the Lord for a period of time in an area that is not your gifting, that is not a waste. Right? That is kingdom use. Right? God is using you during that time, and he will grow you through that experience. And I would also say, no matter what way you're serving, your gifts are probably going to leak out within that setting. You'll find them leaking out. I, I would contend that if you had never tried ice cream before, and you now stood in an ice cream shop with 20 different flavors, and you wanted to determine which one of those flavors was your favorite flavor, the best way to go about that would be to try all of them. Right? Try them all to figure out which one is your best. Not only, in the end, will you have been able to determine which one is your favorite, you get to try all of those different flavors of ice cream along the way. And the same is true with our spiritual gift. You want to walk through all sorts of different serving opportunities. I'll go ahead and mix my metaphors and say, lick as many different serving opportunities as you possibly can. And within that framework, you're going to find the one where God uses you the most and impacts people's lives the most. And you get to serve the Lord in all of these different ways as you're getting there. Right? What beauty there is in that. Uh, I would encourage you, jump in and start serving. See where the Lord uses you most. As a second possibility, let me suggest that you do some discerning and maybe even using some trusted counsel in your life about how you respond to need and challenge in the body of Christ when you're walking in the Spirit. Now, all of us at times are tempted to uh, react to need and challenge in the flesh, right? Can we acknowledge that? I see a need, I see a challenge in someone's life, and I'm like, eh, I'm sorry, I got four episodes of this show to watch on Netflix. Good luck to you. Right? That's probably walking in the flesh. But I'm talking about when we're walking in the Spirit, when we are motivated by God, when our heart is a heart of love, when our desire is to pour out what God has given to us, how do we most naturally in that moment react to a need or a challenge in those around us? Because that might show us what our gifting is. If someone faces a need or a challenge around us in the body, and our first instinct is to gather a group of people around to pray and go before the throne of God on their behalf, then it is very possible that your spiritual gift is the gift of faith. 
If you see people with a need or a challenge and your initial instinct while walking in the Spirit is to make meals for them, to watch their kids, then it is very possible that you have the spiritual gift of helps. If you see someone who is experiencing a challenge in their life and your first movement is to present what God would have them to understand about the sin in their life that has led them to that place of challenge, then it is distinctly possible that you have the gift of prophecy because that is what the Old Testament prophets did for Israel again and again. Right? So, so how do you initially react when you're walking in the Spirit to the needs and the challenges that you face that may very well be the gift that you have. We, we can help you with a, a spiritual gift inventory if that's your desire, but let me encourage you, jump in and start ser serving and see where God uses you the most. Think about, uh, how do I react first in the Spirit when I see a need or challenge that is in front of me? Well, well that's great. I got a, I got a gift. I, I'm going to use it in the body. How, how long do I get to keep that gift? Right, do, do I get that gift for a day? Do I get it for a season? Do I get it for my life? Right? How, how long do I get a spiritual gift? Is it, is it for a moment, a season, a lifetime? Yes. Maybe. I don't know. Is that helpful? Scripture's not real clear on this. Some of the metaphors make the most sense if you're going to have the gift for a while. It doesn't do a, a lot of good to learn how to relate to the eye as a hand in the metaphor if the next day you're not a hand anymore. Right? So there seem to be some of the metaphors that imply you'll have the gift for at least a period or a season of time. But the Bible doesn't really instruct us here. here here's what it does say. It says the Holy Spirit gives the gifts as he sees fit. And so if he sees fit to give you a gift for a short season, so be it. And then if he sees fit to give you a different gift to replace that one, so be it. If he chooses to give you a gift that lasts a, life, that lasts a lifetime, so be it. It's the Holy Spirit that apportions the gifts according to the needs that he sees within the body. And it's all about his will, his desire in all of this. Uh, are the gifts that we're talking about here supernatural? I mean, are we, are we just talking about the, the natural gifts we're all born with? Are we talking about something supernatural here? The answer to that is yes. All of these gifts are supernatural. They are gifts of the Spirit, which makes them supernatural. We're not just talking about the natural giftings that you got at your physical birth. We are talking about a spiritual gift that has been given to you at your spiritual birth. Now, sometimes that spiritual gift that you have been given merges and fits very well with the natural gifts that you got at your physical birth and only extends them and strengthens them. And, and so maybe there's a person who is a very clear communicator in what they do. And then they become a follower of Jesus and they are given the gift of teaching. And now they're even clearer in the ways that they present the Word of God so that people can understand what God is saying clearly and live it out. Their spiritual gift coincides and works with their natural gifting. Or, or maybe someone has a natural compassion that they have grown up with. 
Uh, maybe their family has, has nurtured them in such a way that they're a very compassionate person. And then all of a sudden, they're given the gift of mercy. And it only extends that compassion that they feel towards others. But now it is combined with a supernatural ability to act in mercy towards other people. The mercy of Christ. It is also possible in certain settings that the Holy Spirit may give someone a spiritual gift that doesn't align with their natural gifts at all. That someone has never been a naturally empathetic person, but because of the needs of the body in that particular area, the Holy Spirit gives them the gift of mercy, and suddenly they are seeing everything differently because of that new gift that they have been given. A person has never operated in this way before, but suddenly the Holy Spirit gives them a gift of healing. And someone they prayed for was healed within that setting. I guarantee they weren't doing that before they met Christ. Right? That, that last illustration actually pushes us to the next question. All, all of the gifts are supernatural. They're given by the Spirit. These aren't just our natural gifts and talents. But are some of the gifts miraculous? Yes, there's one called miracles. Working of miracles. It's, it's a clue for us that some of them are miraculous. Right? The word miracles is right there. And so when we see some of these gifts that are talked about, healing, prophecy, tongues, miracles, we recognize that they enable an experience to take place that is outside of the normal way that the universe works and thus can be termed miraculous when they are at work. Now, I would encourage you to recognize with all of the gifts, but particularly with these miraculous gifts, but with all of the gifts, that just because a person is given a gift doesn't mean that it is on all the time. Right? You're given the gift of prophecy, you don't do anything but speak prophecy for the rest of your life. I also want to contend that just because a person is given a gift, it's not now at their beck and call. Oh, I've been given the gift of tongues, I just speak in tongues whenever I want. No, we do these things when the Spirit apportions and gives us the ability to do these things. They're not at our beck and call. They're not turned on all of the time. The Spirit uses them when He desires. And so we recognize within the New Testament, when someone speaks in tongues, they don't speak in tongues for the rest of their life. They speak in tongues for a moment. And then their speech becomes their normal language again. We recognize that when Agabus in Acts prophesies, he prophesies on a couple of different occasions uh, to the church and the people around we recognize that that doesn't mean that Agabus could prophesy on demand. He didn't set up a tent and say, prophecies, $5, come on over here. Nor was every word that Agabus spoke prophecy. He prophesied when the Spirit gave him specific prophecies to give. We recognize that Paul brought healing to many people throughout the New Testament, throughout the book of Acts. But we also see several people that Paul couldn't heal starting with himself, 2 Corinthians 12, including his good friend Epaphrodites, Philippians chapter 2, including his friend uh, Trophimus, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And there's more. i got to stop there because I can't pronounce these names, you guys. What? What happened to Fred? Ah. Trophimus. 
when it comes to these miraculous gifts, I want to recognize that we might not all be on the same page. There may be some people who are here who don't believe that these gifts are active any longer. And I want to say to you, you are welcome here. We, we love that you are here. And I also want you to recognize that that is not the position of those who are doing the teaching here at this church. That we do understand all of the gifts to be active today. And because of that, when it comes to these miraculous gifts, if I have one teaching for you, it's this. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Are you familiar with this phrase? It's kind of an old phrase. I thought everyone would be familiar with it, and then I ran into some people like, what are you talking about? Right, the idea here is there's something valuable, and then there's some yuck around what is valuable. And if you're going to get rid of all the yuck, don't get rid of what's valuable in it, right? Don't throw the baby out with its dirty bathwater. And I want us to recognize that when it comes to the topic of spiritual gifts, particularly miraculous spiritual gifts, that because of the amount of deception that the enemy has woven in and around this particular topic, there are people who see all of that dirty bath water and they separate off a small section of these gifts and they say, those aren't for today anymore. I also want us to recognize that there are some people who are so thoroughly committed to the beauty of all of the gifts that they refuse to acknowledge that there is dirty bath water all over the place. Oh, friends, let us be a wise and discerning people who see all of the enemy's deception, see all of the misuse, all of the abuse, all of the dirty bathwater, and at the same time, value the baby and value the gifts that God has given. Oh, you guys, there's a, a lot of dirty bathwater out there. Misuse, counterfeit, abuse. I think of Costi Hinn. Right, are you familiar with Costi Hinn? If you don't follow him on social media, I'd recommend it. Costi uh, Hinn grew up as nephew to the famous uh, television faith healer, Benny Hinn. A and God saved Costi Hinn out of that. And after years, he became a pastor of a church and began to write books about the gospel. And in some of those books, he walked through all of the deception, all of the counterfeit that was a part of his uncle Benny Hinn's ministry and many other television faith healers like that. Oh, there's so much dirty bathwater. I think of Kenneth Copeland. Oh, I couldn't, I, if I used all of the screens up here, it wouldn't hold all of the false prophecies that Kenneth Copeland has given. But I think particularly of the prophecy he made in 2022, when he declared that God had spoken to him and the worst disease to ravage mankind would hit us by the end of 2022. He said it was going to make COVID look like nothing, but you could have the covering and protection of the Holy Spirit if you just donated to his ministry today. Right? I think of all of the YouTube prophets that were sent to me during the 2020 election cycle, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? All of those YouTube prophets during the 2020 election cycle all wanted to comment on our government and on the election cycle. First of all, uh, I didn't plan on saying this, but, but let me go here anyway. As we look at the prophets operate in the Old Testament, who did they prophesy to and about? 
right? 95% or more of the prophecy in the Old Testament is to God's people. That, yeah, there are some prophecy to some other places, but 95% is to God's people. If there is a legitimate prophet operating in the gift of prophecy today, who's he going to prophesy to? Who's she going to prophesy to? The church, because that's God's people. They're not going to be focused on elections and governance. They're going to be focused on all of the dirty bathwater in the church and calling it out. That's what prophecy is going to look like because that's what we see in the scripture, addressing God's people and how they're falling short of God's design for them. In 2020, all of these false YouTube prophets getting sent my way, I remember one of them in particular that predicted the day, January 16th, 2021, when the Supreme Court would overturn the most recent presidential election. And that prophecy had 1.2 million likes. Some of the likes had come in after January 16th. What? What is it? Was it Barnum that said there's a fool born every minute? And, and sometimes it's us believers. Are you kidding me? There's so much dirty bathwater out there. I think of the famous clip of the, the false teacher on Trinity Broadcasting Network who decided he was going to teach the entire studio audience how to speak in tongues. And so he told them all, I want you to remove all thoughts from your mind. Right? That's a problem right off the bat. And then I want you to speak long vowel sounds. And I want you to interject some B's and D's and SH sounds into those long vowels so that it sounds like you're trying to speak Hebrew. And then he kept yelling at them. As they tried this, he kept yelling it at them. No, faster. you got to do it faster. Eventually culminating in him yelling at them, if I had a gun to your head, you would do it faster. So much dirty bath water. I think of my own personal experience with some of the dirty bath water. When I was in early elementary school, I went to an Assemblies of God school in my town. It was the only Christian school in our town. And late in my second grade year, the principal called all of the second graders into the assembly room and said to us, today is the day you're going to learn to speak in tongues. Right? There, there might have been some in there who knew Christ and many who didn't. That didn't seem to matter. This was the day that we were all going to learn to speak in tongues. And we received instructions that were fairly similar to what I saw on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. It wasn't long after that before the principal began to come in and make the daily announcements in our, our morning chapels all in gibberish as other teachers around the room began to speak at the same time that the principal was speaking, all in gibberish. And all of us kindergartners, first and second graders, were looking around like, what is going on? Right? All of this runs contrary to the instructions that the Holy Spirit gives us in the word that he inspired. All of it is the deception of the enemy. In this situation, in my situation, people intentionally deceiving and leading young ones astray. Jesus has some harsh words for that. There's a lot of dirty bath water, friends, 
I experienced it when I was young. I've experienced it throughout my ministry. But my admonition to you is this. Don't throw the beautiful baby out with all of that messy, dirty bathwater. Right? As the enemy worked all sorts of mess and deception into this particular area, absolutely, but don't throw the baby out with it. I had negative experiences with tongues when I was a kid and some as an adult. And so when a missionary friend of mine from seminary came back from a stint in the South Pacific and said to me, I, I had this experience where I went with some other missionaries to a tribe. And, and one evening, I started to speak and I didn't know what I was saying. And it was only later that the missionaries that worked with that tribe told me, you were presenting the gospel to them in their language, a language you don't know. Because of all of the dirty bathwater that I have experienced, you know what my initial reaction was? Are you sure? Right, are you sure? When a pastor here at the church last week told me about a friend of theirs that had gone out to do some missionary work and for a period of time spoke a language that they don't speak in order to communicate the gospel to others around and then could not speak when they returned because of all of the dirty bathwater that I have seen over the course of my life. Do you know what my initial response was? Are you sure? Are you sure? And then God brought a check right, into my spirit and said, don't allow all of that dirty bathwater to eliminate your faith in the beautiful baby that I have provided. Right? That this, this gift of tongues that, that God might use as a sign and to communicate to those who don't believe. Don't give up on it just because it's been so badly abused. Somebody else who I know quite well came back from a missions trip and said after the return, I, I was a part of a worship time where for half an hour, an hour, I was able to understand everything that was being said by those other people in a language that I've never studied and don't know. Didn't have that ability any other time in the trip, but for this brief time, I was able to interpret for my fellow believers, my fellow Americans, what was being said. And my immediate reaction, because of all of that dirty bathwater was, are you sure but I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Twelve years ago, when I was called to be a part of a small group of people who would pray over a 25-year-old young man who had been diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor, given four to six months to live, I had to fight through so much dirty bathwater on my way to that prayer session. Right? There was the dirty bathwater of the Benny Hins of the world that I had to fight through. Also, the dirty bathwater of all of the prayer meetings that I've been a part of where people valued physical healing over spiritual growth. I had to fight through all of that bathwater in order to get to that place where my heart was open and I was in a place of faith and could call out upon the Lord to bring physical healing for this young man. And I got to tell you, it was so worth it 
to battle through all of the skepticism of that dirty bathwater to get to a place of faith and openness to what God might do in that situation. Right? God, God heal, we stand here 12 years later with now got a wife and kids and he's been healed ever since then. But I got to say, even if God hadn't healed him that day, it would have been so worth it for me to fight through the dirty bathwater to get to that place of faith in what God might do if the Holy Spirit chooses and apportions that day. Friends, don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The baby of the Holy Spirit's supernatural empowerment to bring Jesus glory and grow people in Christ likeness is beautiful. It's beautiful. So I encourage you, see the bathwater. Be discerning about the bathwater. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I, I could go on about this forever, and if you want more information about this, I certainly have things I can send you to read. Uh, but I, I got to move on for the sake of time because I really want to give you one application to take away from today, and that application is this. Be a part of the body. Right? Be a part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12 moves on from where we read into an illustration about the importance of the body, hands, feet, eyes. Romans chapter 12 used the illustration of a body. When we get to the end of sermons about spiritual gifts, sometimes it can feel like what is then asked of us as an application is to sign up for open slots in the organization. Right? You ever felt that way? Oh, we're talking about spiritual gifts. Okay, we talked about spiritual gifts. Now we got 25 slots out there. I want a name on each and every one of them. As if we are the concession stand and all of you are parents of 12-year-old baseball players who need to get your name on a slot in that concession stand or we're going to charge you money. Anybody have a 12-year-old baseball player that's been through that process? No, apparently not. Okay. I would suggest to you, first of all, that our slots are doing just fine here. Second, that there is something far bigger at play than just filling slots. Because God doesn't see us as an organization that needs to fill slots. God sees us primarily as a family who are meant to all bring our gifts to the family table in order to encourage growth in one another. God doesn't see us as an organization with a bunch of formal ministry slots and you better fill that slot. No, he sees us as a community. And his plan for growth and care in the community is that we would all come and use our gifts in relationship to each other. And so what I would encourage you today isn't to fill up to sign a slot, but instead I would encourage you to think about how can you be closer to this community? How can you be tighter to the rest of the members of the body so that the care that you're intended to receive from the body, you can receive? And the care you're intended to show to others in the body, you can show. I love 1 Corinthians 12, 25, talking about spiritual gifts and how we all have different gifts and we're a part of the body. It then says that there may be no division in the body. Why have we been given these gifts? Why have we been brought into a body that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another? 
God has given us gifts so that we'll build each other up in Christ and care for each other. When we don't have the kind of intimate connection with the body of Christ that God intends, we miss out on His plan for growth and care. And others miss out on the way that our gifts can impact growth and care. And so I just want to encourage you this morning to think about how is He calling you to be more connected as a part of the body? God's primary way of working in our lives when we have a need, when, when we're in need of care, is through the body. This illustration is imperfect and it'll break down if you push it too far, but uh, if your left elbow itches today, sends a message to the brain, how does the brain deal with that itch on your left elbow? Does it send a message back down through the neural pathways to eliminate the itch? No. The brain communicates to your right hand to get over there and scratch the itch you've got on the left elbow. And that is the way that God works through us. Right? His primary way of caring for you is through the body that you've connected yourself to, through the relationships within the family that you are connected to. His primary way of using you is to help others grow and care for others through the gifts that He's given to you. And so I, I'd invite you as we close today to just bow your heads with me and spend a moment praying, Lord, Lord, how would you have me experience greater connection with your people here? How would you have me be more involved with the family? Maybe you've only been coming on Sunday mornings and watching from afar. And God is saying, no, no, no you got to get involved. Get involved because it's not church unless people are using their gifts on each other's lives. Maybe you've been involved in one kind of ministry and God is saying, no, no, go get involved in this kind of ministry. It'll connect you deeper. Maybe God's call is for you to get involved in a, a life group, to be more intimately connected with fellow believers where your gifts can care for each other. Maybe it's to be a part of a core discipleship table where you can interact with others and care for each other as you walk through the Word of God. Maybe it's to be a part of Celebrate Recovery ministry as you pray for and care for each other as you grow through the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that you're seeking to eliminate in life. What is it? When the service is over today, there's going to be a table out in the hallway and Autumn and Rachel and I will be out there at the table. And if there is a way that God's calling you to greater connection with His body and you're not sure what that looks like, we'd love to process that with you. Walk through that with you. You can spend time with us on that. As we shift to a time of taking the Lord's Supper together. This is a wonderful reminder that the only reason that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts is for us to continue to build each other up in the gospel, to build each other up in relationship with Christ, to build each other up so that we can give Him all glory. So as we come before the table today, we take the bread and the cup 
to give all glory and honor to Jesus. Whatever our gifts may be, we submit them all to him. Recognize that he has been the one who has provided for us ultimately. Uh, when your heart is ready, you've spent time walking through sins that you need to confess. God's great grace and mercy that has forgiven you of those sins. I'd encourage you to make your way to the table in one of the four corners of the room where you can take the bread and the cup and bring it back to your seat. If you're a follower of Jesus, we'd encourage you to take it with us. And I'll lead us in the taking of those elements in just a few minutes. But I encourage you to stand with me at this time and let's praise Jesus together as we prepare to take those elements.